0: Very powerful song right lead me to the cross I want to welcome those of you who are joining us by way of video today we're glad to have you with us and we pray that this service will bless you we've been on a road folks we've been on a road together right a road to what or a road of what say it again Terry disciple making a road of discipleship our own disciple making disciples of ourselves in order to be prepared to make disciples of others we've been studying mark and i invite you to turn to your open up your bible turn to it on your device this morning to the gospel of mark we are again in chapter 10 and uh, i wouldn't blame you if you think good grief how long are we going to be in these couple of chapters this is week after week after week and i'm reminded of something I I can't remember if I've told you this before it won't hurt for you to hear it again a mentor of mine he must have been in his 80's at least probably 80's when he made this comment when he was teaching he was a a godly man and incredible scholar and I remember him teaching and he ran across a passage in Isaiah I don't remember which one he often taught from Isaiah and he just started to giggle a little bit and that was usually an indication, an indication that he, has, he had learned something he wanted to share with us that just undid him. And he looked out at all, at all of us, room full of people he was teaching, and he said, You know, I've been studying this passage for over 40 years, and I just now learned something. God just opened my eyes to something that I've been studying in this same passage all these years. So, a Dr. Kenlaw, Dennis Kenlaw, could learn after studying a passage for 40 years, he could learn something new that he'd never learned before. Then I suspect we haven't exhausted all that Mark has to teach us in the chapters 8, 9, and 10 of his gospel. We are on the road to discipleship. Our calling is to make disciples, and we can't make what we aren't. We can't make what we don't know. We can't make what we don't understand. And so we've been taking this road studying the scripture challenging ourselves to understand exactly what is it that God is calling us to be so that we'll understand what it is he wants us to do if you remember the stories that we've been studying that the traveling that Jesus has been doing then you may be able to answer this question not only are we on the road to discipleship but we are on a journey with Jesus toward what? Place now. Jesus has been journeying toward a destination. Where has he been going? You remember? Say it again louder, whoever said it. Jerusalem. Jerusalem. That's right. It's his journey to Jerusalem, and that journey necessarily involves his disciples. Because we can't be a disciple of Jesus without doing what? following him it's the same thing he gave every single disciple he called regardless of what else he said to them he said follow me and he didn't just mean think what i think he didn't just mean hang out with me he didn't just mean show up when you can he took those disciples just like he wants to take you and me with him every step of the way let that sink in for a minute Jesus calls you and me to follow him every step of the way. And you might rightfully argue, well, read that. That was tough for the disciples because he taught such crazy things. Crazy in their minds. Crazy versus what, he, what they were used to hearing. But that's when he was here. That's when he was with them. They could see him. He could see them. They could eat together. They could go places together. Of course he called them to follow and they could do that. How are we to follow him every step of the way when we can't see him you have an answer to that say it out loud if you've got it how do we follow Jesus when we can't see him faith Faith. what else faith is a a possibility because we know him you don't know him Faith won't do you any good. You won't have faith in Him. How are you going to get to know Him? I was going to say, surely somebody's going to come up with this because I feel like I pounded it to death. Read the Bible. Bible. It's God's Word. How are you going to follow Him if you can't see Him? You listen to Him. You read His Word and you let it get in you. His Word is tough. His word was tough then to understand. It's still tough because it's so different than what we hear otherwise. It is so different than what we grow up believing. Even if you're a quote unquote good person. The story we're going to read about this morning is about a good person. Everybody around probably would have considered him a good person. There's really nothing in the story we're going to read that gives us the idea that he's not a good person. And in fact, he was a polite man. He was a respectable and respectful man. He had not sloughed off his responsibilities. He apparently had had done what he needed to do to earn a living and had saved up. Granted, he had become rich. We don't know all of where those riches came from. Maybe they were handed down to him. But you get the idea from reading the story, and by the way, you're not, you can find it not just in Mark, but you can also find it in Matthew and in Luke. That's a clue to us that it's an important story. When all three tell the story, it should give us an indication. Maybe I need to pay attention to this one and read it a little more closely. So we read about this man, and in in chapter 10, verse 17, is where you find the story. Mark calls it, in my, at least in my uh, translation of the the NIV, the rich and the kingdom of God, because it's a rich man. Jesus started on His way. On His way where? Toward Jerusalem. Why do I keep pressing on that? Why is it important for you and I to be in sync with the fact that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem and no matter who we are or where we have come from, our way of following Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem. Why is that? Because in Jerusalem, Jesus encountered all of the temptations, everything the world had to throw at Him, and He overcame it. Jesus calls us to follow Him, and He promises to give us His Spirit to empower us because we too are called to overcome what the world throws at us. That's that's required. You and I can't become a disciple of Jesus Unless we overcome the temptations of the world. That doesn't mean they quit coming. That doesn't mean sometimes they don't trip you up. But He calls us to follow Him and every intention is for us to become more and more like Him. So we must, in our minds, if you will, follow Him on His journey to Jerusalem. To surrender to the Father's will. To surrender our way, our wants, to His way and His wants. That's what we're talking about in discipleship. And I keep talking about it over and over and over because this past week, I don't have enough hands and fingers and feet and toes to count all the times you heard messages from the world that were opposite of this. You hear it all the time. You hear it. You read it. You encounter it. So if you find yourself thinking sometimes, good grief, whether you're here or you're listening to somebody else, this this pastor keeps pounding on this issue. Hey, i got a long way to go to catch up, to offset what the world's giving you, feeding you food that destroys you from the inside out. This rich man came to Jesus, ran to Him, it says, and fell on his knees. Bring me to my knees, we just sing, Right? This man fell on his knees before Jesus. He's, He's showing respect for Jesus. And he says to Him, Good teacher. He's respectful. He's polite. He's honorable. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Surely each of us have asked that question. Maybe we're still asking. Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud and honor your mother and your father. Now that's not all ten, and he's added one in there that you shall not defraud is probably derived from some of the others. But do you notice something about the particular commandments that Jesus mentioned? Every single one of them has to do with our relationship with each other. None of these were the ones that dealt with our relationship directly with God. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Be good to your neighbor. Love your neighbor in these ways. Don't murder them. Don't steal from them. Don't want what they have. Don't commit adultery with their spouse. Don't speak falsely about them. And honor your father and your mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I've kept since a boy. I don't know what you think when you hear that today. I don't know what you think when you've read that before. But I can tell you that at times I've read it and i thought, wow, that was a pretty harsh. Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good. Again. It's true. But it's kind of a harsh answer. Why would he be so blatant? Why would he so strongly c- confront this one who's been polite and, and run up and ask him this question? Sometimes I think it's easy for us in our Christian world in our polite settings to care more about not offending someone than about telling them the truth that they need to hear for their own good. We used to do a lot more of that in our society. We don't do very much of that anymore because we are so afraid of offending and we've been so conditioned to, to not offend anybody and there's some good reason for that because frankly we've got a, a record led by our leaders unfortunately so many of our leaders that have not given the example that we need to give but when we don't tell the truth in love when we don't speak directly to someone who needs to hear Particularly if someone asks us a question. If we dance around it to not offend, do we really help them? Do we really help them get to where they need to go? Especially when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. The man says, I've kept these since I was a boy. Again, I don't know what you thought, but I've read that, I thought, wow, kind of a little uh, little conceited there, aren't you? A little arrogant, man. You're you're looking at this good teacher, and you're saying, hey, I'm in good shape, man, I've done all these things. Anything else? But maybe you've known somebody like that. Maybe you've known somebody who actually was a really good person, a really decent woman or a decent man. And maybe not in a public setting and maybe not in a flaunting way, but maybe they might say, you know, I'm a decent person. I I treat people well. I don't do these things that Jesus just mentioned. Maybe He was serious. And Mark says that Jesus looked at him and loved him. And then he said this, one thing you lack go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven go sell everything you have and give to the poor again I don't know how you've read that in the past or how you hear it today but it has concerned me me personally not for this message this has concerned me for years because as I mentioned last Sunday and on several other occasions I was brought up in a Christian family that respects work and they work hard my parents both worked my dad worked hard at work at business my mom worked hard at home investing in her two prized possessions my sister and me (coughs) hard work teaching to be good people to work hard to respect each other to honor hard work and you work hard in order to provide for yourself and for your family that you hope to have someday this is good weren't you taught the same how can this be bad and is the reward for it are we to go and sell everything we have and give to the poor are we to be destitute I'm telling you, I've struggled with this. I've struggled with it because I thought, well, Lord, if we all if we sell everything we have and we wind up in poverty, then somebody else has got to take care of us. How is that helpful? How does that help us to be good disciples? How does that help us to bless others if we don't have anything to give them? And then again, I don't know what you think, but these are the games, the mind games that go on in my head as I'm wrestling with a scripture like this. I think, Okay, maybe that's just an excuse. Maybe I'm rationalizing. Maybe I'm justifying. Maybe I'm doing this because I don't want to give away all my stuff. And this is my way of of excusing my behavior. Do you do that? Are you caught up in these kind of games with wrestling with stuff? And you think, "What, what is he telling me? Jesus is talking to a particular man here. He's answering the man's question. And Jesus knew the man like he knows you and me. This man had done a lot of good things. But he had one triple point. He loved his stuff. Now, the text doesn't tell us. It doesn't really go into exactly what he loved about his stuff or why. Jesus goes on to say how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God, because you know the story maybe, or you can read it right there, in verse 22, at, at Jesus' instruction to him, the man's face fell, and he went away because he had great wealth. He didn't want to get rid of all this stuff. And Jesus said to everybody else how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now you've got to know, because I continue to press you, in order to understand what we read, we need to know something of the history. It's helpful to know the context and the culture. The Jews have been taught. The people of God have been taught all the way back in the beginning. That if we... I'm talking like I'm then. If we follow God, if we follow His teachings, He would bless us. It says that in Deuteronomy. You find it in Deuteronomy 30, kind of summed up. If we do what Jesus tells us to do, if we follow God's ways, we'll be blessed. If we don't follow God's ways, we'll face judgment. That's not new news. They knew that. And they watched for years and years and years that when they were honoring God and following God, they as a people were blessed. And when they turned away from God and they followed other gods or did what they shouldn't do, things didn't go so well for them. So it would be very natural for a young person growing up as a part of those people to to think what we think. If you do well, if you do what you're supposed to do, life will go good for you. How many times was I told that as a boy? Maybe you were told that. If you do what you're supposed to do, things will go well for you. Don't we tell our kids that when we're trying to teach them something? If you'll do this, I'll give you something. If you do this, you'll get such and such. Right? I the only one who was brought up in a house like that? How about the flip side of it? If you do that again, man, everybody grew up in that house, right? Seriously, we were taught that if we follow Jesus's ways if we do what God teaches to do or if we do what our parents or if we do what the law or if we do whatever good things will happen if I do what I'm expected to do in business I'll be rewarded with an, an increase in pay or more opportunity these were ways that we were taught I was taught as a young person and so were they and so when Jesus responds to this man and responds to all of them and says, how hard it is for the rich to get into the kingdom of God. What is he saying? Everything you've been taught, throw it out the window? Folks, I'm I'm telling this the way I'm telling it this morning because I'm I want you to really engage with me maybe not with your mouths today, but I want you to engage in your minds because this is a very real scenario that we could experience today. It's a very real story. There's no indication that this man was bad. He just gained a lot of possessions. Welcome to America. Right? He had a lot of stuff. And Jesus says, go sell it all. And then He said, come follow Me. Jesus knew something about this particular man that may or may not apply to you. He knew that in His heart, this man loved his stuff. And maybe that this is where His trust was. Maybe, maybe this man actually trusted his future. Maybe he satisfied his insecurities by having all these possessions, having great wealth. Maybe all those years where I was studying and then working to earn a living, to save up, So that I could retire someday, but also so that other people wouldn't have to take care of me. I wouldn't have to depend on handouts. I could take care of me and my family. Isn't that what we do? Maybe this rich man has something to teach us. Because maybe in fact, when Jesus calls me to follow Him, and He calls you to follow Him, and He called the disciples to leave what they had and follow Him, maybe what He was trying to say is, in order to be mine, you've got to trust Me completely. Completely. Over everything else. And as long as you're holding on to that savings, as long as you're holding on to that bank account, as long as you're holding on to all the stuff at home. As long as your health is good and you've got a good job and you continue to provide for yourself. Yeah, Jesus, I'll try to do my best at following you, but, you know, i got to live, right? i got to make it in here on the ground. And Jesus still says, follow me. Unless you lose your life for my sake, You'll never find it. And if you work hard to save your life, you'll lose it. It's a message to every single one of us. I don't know your particular crutch, I don't know what you rely on for your security. But I've never met a single person that didn't have some sense of security. Insecurity. Some sense of insecurity that they did everything they could to overcome or to satisfy so that they didn't have to trust in somebody else. And then Jesus comes along and says, let go of all of it and trust me. Did he mean it? Yeah. Completely. Is it possible? I'll be honest with you, it's a little tough to find in our country because we are so blessed with so much that it's pretty hard to find people who have really radically given up the things that we might trust in and committed themselves to a life of following Jesus and doing what He teaches, using their life to bless others and trusting that He will provide. We sing, Lead Me to the Cross. And it's an incredibly powerful song. And it moves me every time I sing it. Right up to the point that I think about the reality. That I'm called to the cross. I'm called to give up all the things that I've worked so hard to provide, to protect. So that I don't have to count on anybody else. The truth is, we can't be the disciple Jesus calls us to be until we're willing to give up those crutches. So, how do you suggest we do that, Reed? How do you suggest we go back on everything we've been taught? How do you suggest we just walk away? And not become destitute and depend on a handout we live in a real world pastor I get this I get your teachings but how do you suggest we actually do this I can only tell you what he said with us on our own can't do it but with him anything is possible The question is, do we trust him? Do we trust him to be who he is? For me personally, there's not a hard question in the world to ask me. I'm just telling you straight up. I could walk out of the camera, I could put the microphone down, I could just talk to you, and I could tell you that there's not a single question you could ever ask me that would be any more difficult for me. Not a single question. Do you trust Him enough to give up the things you count on to protect yourself? (coughs) Do you trust Him that much? Do you trust Him to follow Him and His teachings enough? Whatever that costs you. Confidence. he is who he is and he'll do what he said he'll do he'll bring me into new life keep in mind he never said you won't have a tough time you won't suffer that's what we hear out here but he said he'll bring us through it and he will never leave us I'm still learning this folks I learned it again yesterday I learned it again yesterday when a good friend looked at me and talked about the risks of burnout. You know what the answer to that is? Total dependency. It's a giving up of control. I'm thankful you're here because I'm the only one struggling with this right now and I can use your support. Mm -hmm. How hard it is. My paraphrase. How hard it is for those who are insecure and work so hard to provide for themselves so they never have to depend on anyone or trust even me how hard it is for them to enter the kingdom of God now the good news we're not left on our own to do it and we're going to begin to talk more about that I'm trusting that in the last several messages if you haven't been here to hear them go on our website RockHillChurch180.com and listen to them. I've given you a whole lot of different angles and directions from, from Mark. And I say I've given it to you. You know where it comes from. He's given it to you through my voice. He's been hitting us pretty hard. He's been pounding on us to let go of our control and to trust Him. He doesn't just leave us with His folks. But we've got to be willing To take that first step, and then that next step, and then that next step. And we've got to keep encouraging each other. Because he said, it's possible. And he'll empower us. This is the way forward. This is the road to discipleship. This is the journey to Jerusalem. Father, we hear you. We hear your word. We hear you.